and how we can do that as a church and how we can do that as a family. Tonight, we got a hanging of the green service. And um, why is that so important? We want our children to understand that we do not just put up greens and we don't put up bells and, and all this stuff so that um, something would make us feel better or something of that nature. But all that we do is for a purpose. And every purpose that we have at Christmas points us to the baby Jesus that came to be born for us. He left heaven to come to be born in a manger for me and you. So as we even start tonight, we want to honor our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and allow everybody to know the reason that we decorate, the reason that why we make all this um, stuff pretty and all this stuff is not to make ourselves nicer, not to magnify ourselves, not to glorify ourselves, but what we want to do more than anything in this world is to lift up Jesus. We want you to see Jesus on all that he is about. And I ask you, um, we, everybody gets Christmas cards and sends Christmas cards. Some of you, Christmas cards are something that's going away. But I, I got a picture up here. You can still buy like 10 Christmas cards for, for like five bucks still. I mean, they're still cheap. And I want you to do something for me on this Christmas. I want everybody to send me a Christmas card. No, that's not what, what I want you to do. I want everybody to, to get them a Christmas card. If you can't get a Christmas card, you can't find one, then I really worry about you. Um, but that's it. I'm not going to give you a Christmas card. Suck it up. You can find one. Um, yours easy. They're everywhere. But I want you all to find someone as a family. Now, I want this to be a discussion around the dinner table. I want you to put your phones down, sit around the dinner table, and I want you as a family to decide who are we going to send this Christmas card to. And I want you to pick somebody in your, mind, in your hearts as a family, someone that's close to you, that has no connection to Jesus Christ whatsoever, has no connection to church, has no connection whatsoever. I, I don't want you to go find somebody who's faithful to another church or, or something of that nature. I just want you to put on your heart someone close to you that Sunday morning on Christmas um, and the week before Christmas will not be in church. I want you to send them that Christmas card, and in that Christmas card, I want you to invite them to go to church with you on Christmas. I want you to say, hey, on, on the 18th, we're going to have a Christmas cantata. On Christmas Day, we're going to have church. One of those, I want you to come and be with me on, on Christmas at church. Then you're going to let that let, mail that letter. That letter has to go all the way to Charleston. Oh, I think that's hilarious that our mail goes all the way to Charleston and comes all the way back. I don't know why it does that, but it does. And then it's going to come back here, so give it a few days. Then I want you to make a contact with that person, and I want you to invite those people um, personally to church. Listen, I, I think this is so amazing. 80% of the people that you make two contacts with to invite to church for Christmas or Easter will come. 80% of those people will come to church. So I want you to make it a matter of prayer to who you're going to send it to, to ask the Lord to be that one family that God's put on your heart that you want to worship with you on Christmas and invite them to come. And I, I pray that this will be a Christmas experience for you and your family to be able to see that. And that's the second thing I want to show you is this. I had a few ladies um, come to me with an idea for all you all with young children um, um, right now that's starting in the next few days, and I'm glad the kids are here with us. Is a, And my wife bought me a nativity scene to come up here to explain it to you, but 
I left it at home because that's my mind. I can't never remember things. But everybody has nativity scenes. We have 10 here in our church. And last week, someone stole Jesus from one of our nativity scenes. I think that's hilarious. If you've got to the point in your life where you're stealing Jesus out of a church's nativity scene, you are my friend. I, I just think you're amazing. I just really do. Um, but I want you to uh, think about something. There, there's Elf in the Shelf. I mean, you all did that. A couple of kids enjoyed that, and that's great. But they have came up with an idea, and they've sent me some information, and I'll send it to you. But, um, and I think it's going to go in the bulletin next week. Um, and they take a nativity scene and set it up someplace where you want your, your nativity scene set up. But then you take Mary and Joseph, and you're going to follow the story in Luke and take Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. So every few days or whatever you want to work that out with, one day, like today, we're going to be with Zach Rice and Elizabeth in the hill country in Judea. And then the next day, you could be going someplace. Then you can start the journey to Bethlehem. And every day, you, you, every week or whatever you want to do it, work your way to Jesus getting into the manger there in, in Bethlehem. You know why we want to do this? Because the majority of our children are being raised in a world today that does not know the story of Jesus does not know the story of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we get to allow them to see that through this nativity scene. So it's something to pray about and something that you could be important about. Why do we want to do that? Because our heart is this, is that we want to magnify Christ and we want to shrink the world. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look at the story of Jesus and how the people in the story of the birth of Jesus magnified the name of the Lord. What happens in our lives today is that we miss the point of Christmas. We miss, if you want to say, the reason for the season. We get caught up in the rush, and we get literally exhausted about what's going on. I, Friday, I did something that I have not done in years, and I went to Target on Black Friday. It was hilarious. They, I, I was like, you know, this ain't too bad. There's a lot of people, but there's no line at the cash register. I said, this is amazing. And the lady said, no, come here and look at this. The line went through every single um, aisle in the whole entire store. I mean, it, just, it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in line to buy stuff. I told that lady, there's nothing in this world I'd stand in that line for. If you had my wife and kids on the other side, I'd be like, really? Um, I'd do it, but man, come on. You know what I'm saying? But I can't believe they're standing in line, but I did. But I, I, mine was online. I just grabbed it and left out the door, and I got out of there in a couple minutes, and I was so happy. But can you imagine how exhausting that is and how you get caught up in that and perhaps even depressed by the holiday pressures. I want you to think about this. The most depressing time in America right now is Christmas. That should not be the truth. Christmas, of all times, should be a time of joy. It should be a time of glory and praise of God. But it ends up being a time of depressing depression for so many people. Why? Because we missed the point of Christmas. Christmas is not about us. Christmas is not about your kids. 
Christmas is about Jesus Christ and Him coming to save us from our sins. And that's what we need to be reminded of. And I love the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10 because it's so realistic. I can almost see Mary and Martha living in Louisa, Kentucky. And they've decided to invite Jesus and his disciples into their house to feed them, get them some gravy and biscuits. Um, so I can almost see they open their home for, G for Jesus and his disciples to come in. Man, I'm, I just want to brag on Mary and Martha for a minute. That's awesome. No one else was opening their home to Jesus. No one else was inviting them to come in, but, but here they opened their home and invited them in and was taking care of them. But Martha hurries around to get everything ready. She's cooking, she's cleaning, she's putting this here. She's, she's asking if anybody wants this, about this. Do you, want, do you want garlic and on this and all this? How you like this? How she's doing all this work. And Mary is just sitting there on her backside listening to Jesus. And I love the picture you have here. And that's Martha looks back. And how many of us can understand Martha right there for a minute? Amen. I can't believe. Here, I'm doing all this work. I'm, I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, and that guy's just sitting there watching football. You know what I'm saying? It ain't a nut. You know, I'm doing all this work. And Martha's upset, and she goes to Jesus. And I love this. She went to Jesus with her complaint. You know, we need to do that. Go to Jesus. If you've got a complaint, go on to Jesus. He's the best complaint department you'll ever find in the history of mankind. Jesus. So she went to Jesus. She said, Jesus, look what all I'm doing. I'm working hard. I'm cleaning. I'm cooking. I, I've invited you into my home. But the only thing Mary's doing is just sitting there doing absolutely nothing. Tell her, make her get up and start doing something. And listen to what Jesus said. My dear Martha. You are worried and upset over all these details. I want to stop there for a minute. All these details. All these many things. Starting this week, man, there's a lot of many things going to have to be done in your house. All these details have to be worked out. All these gifts have to be bought. All these decorations has to be in exact right place. All these things have to be done. But listen to Jesus. You're upset about all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. You know what Martha needed to do? Not worry about them dishes. Not worry about all that other stuff. She needed to sit down beside of Mary and listen to Jesus. She needed to make the most of that moment with the Lord. It is so many times as this. We get caught up in Christmas, but we never celebrate Jesus. We get caught up in decorations, but we never worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We need not to miss the best part of Christmas. And sit down and hear Jesus speak the truth of how much he truly loves us. We find celebrations of the birth of Jesus all throughout the, the Gospels. The desire of all those people are, is to magnify the Lord. In Luke chapter 1 verse 46, 
Mary in the song of Magnificat, she sings this at the very beginning. My soul magnifies the Lord. We need to have a time in our life that our soul magnifies the Lord. You as a mom who's got so much to do in the next few days, you need to get to the place where your soul magnifies the Lord. Dad, who has so much to work out, you need to get to the place where your soul magnifies the Lord. Magnify, what does it mean? To make great, to exalt in praise, to glorify. Every child in this room knows what we magnify. They know what we like. They know the teams that we like. I had a young man walk up to me the other day, ask me what my favorite NFL team was, and I told him the Miami Dolphins, and he said, why? Only a few of you even understand that. But I ask myself that question sometimes too. Why? They, they know who we like. They know what we enjoy. They know what we, what, what we love to do. What our kids need to see Dad loving to do is magnifying the Lord, making much of Jesus Christ, allowing people to know that he is the most significant person in our lives. Every time we praise God, what are we doing? We're magnifying the Lord. Every time we're obeying God, what are we doing? We're magnifying the Lord. Every time we come to worship and we worship the Lord, what are we doing? We're magnifying the name of Jesus. And today, that's what we need. We're worshiping Jesus Christ. Look at Elizabeth before the birth of Jesus and read with me in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 42, as we look into how she and her family magnify the Lord. Luke 1, 39. Now Mary rose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. The Gospel of Luke begins with the birth of John the Baptist, the forerunner. So the first family we're going to look at is Zacharias the Baptist, Elizabeth the Baptist, and John the Baptist. So it's the Baptist family. Someone shared with me the last time I preached that a few years ago, you know that they really, that was not their last name. I said, I understand that, but I'm a Baptist, <laughs> and I like it. Um, but Elizabeth and Zacharias and John is the, is the beginning of the Christmas story, and so many times they get left out. But after Mary knew that she was to become a mother, what is the first thing she did? She knew that Elizabeth was pregnant and she was advanced in years and she's had some kind of miracle happen in her life. So Mary, not having anybody to sit down and talk to that with flesh on, says, you know what, I'm going to go talk to Elizabeth and, and see what she says there, and we can rejoice together for what God's doing with us. So Mary um, goes and sees Elizabeth so that they could rejoice together. So the very first thing we get to see today is the joy of Elizabeth. 
the first words that came to her lips were this, blessed. Blessed among all women. Most blessed among women. Why did Elizabeth use the words blessed and blessed among all women? The reason is this, because Mary was blessed above all women. She was carrying in her stomach, in her womb, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. She was carrying in her womb the one who came to die for the sins of this world. She was carrying God Almighty in her womb. So yes, that's why she called her blessed, because she was blessed. That God chose Mary to carry Jesus. The Bible says that she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Why was Mary blessed? Because of the fruit of her womb was Jesus, the one who came for the sins of our pe- all, all the people. He came to save us. That was the blessing that she was talking about. But I want you to see the humility of Elizabeth. The Bible says in verse 43, But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? majority of people today, when they cry out, why me? It is not a sign of humility, but it's a sign of complaint. Why did you do this to me, Lord? Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to put up with this? Why me? But humility in Elizabeth was, why, Lord, did you allow me to be a part of such an amazing time? That the one woman who is carrying our Lord and Savior would come to me. Who am I? There's a new musician out that I hope some of you all get to listen to, a young musician. His name is Chris Christofferson. Anybody know that young man? He's like 86 years old. Thank you. <laughs> Him and Jim were school buddies. Um, uh, if you, I don't know Chris Christofferson personally. <laughs> You're surprised, I know. Um, but he has an amazing story. And, and I don't know how he's lived his whole entire life. There's no way that I can tell you that he's, he's a, a, an outstanding gentleman um, or anything. I, I don't know him personally. But he tells of something happened to him when he was 35 years old, so 50 years ago, 40-some years ago. He was coming back to Nashville, and he was not known as a, um, a good person. He's always been known as as an outlaw country. But what a lot of people don't know about Chris Christopherson, he's a genius. He's a a Rhodes Scholar. He has doctorates and all this stuff. And his family really disowned him. They wanted him to be the next general, five-star general, and following his ranks of his dad and stuff like that. But when he was 35 years old, a girl that he was sweet on invited him to church in in Nashville, outside the city of Nashville. And Chris Christopherson walked into that church um, with no idea of what was getting ready to happen to him. And he was sitting in the back of the church, just like a good Baptist would. He was sitting in the back, and the preacher preached. Um, His name was Jay Stone, if I can remember the story straight. And at the end of the sermon, he asked the question, if anybody would like to believe upon the name of Jesus, raise their hand. And Chris Christopherson said, you know what, I, I don't want to believe in Jesus. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, 
don't want to do that. And, but then he noticed that his hand was in the air. And he said, I didn't raise my hand. My hand raised. And he said, I don't know what this even means and why my hand is in the air. I did not do that. And the preacher said, just like any good preacher would say, if you raise your hand, I want you to come forward and to the altar. And Chris Christopherson said, there ain't no way I'm going up there. I found myself, he said, standing in front of the altar, having no idea how I got there or why I was there. And the preacher put his arm around him and said, Son, do you want to believe in Jesus Christ? And he, Chris Christopherson, he said, I said this, I don't know. I don't know why I raised my hand, and I don't know why I'm standing in front of this altar at this moment. I don't know. And the preacher brought him down to the altar and started praying up with him. He said, I've never cried in my life in front of people. He said, I could not turn off the tears that was coming down my face. He don't know why I'm crying. And he met Jesus at that altar. And he said this, listen, Jesus forgave me of sins that I didn't even know I needed forgiven of. He did not come to church that day for his sins to be forgiven because he didn't even know he had any that needed forgiven. But he met Jesus that day and he laid it out on the altar and believed in Jesus Christ. And listen to the song he wrote. And I just want, and I will have, we should have asked these guys to sing it because they probably know it. It's called Why Me? Why me, Lord? What have I ever done deserve even one of the pleasures I've known. Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you for the kindness you've shown? Lord, help me, Jesus. I've wasted it so. Help me, Jesus. I know what I am, but now that I know that I needed you, so help me, Jesus. My soul's in your hand. He did not even understand what happened to him until it happened to him. And Jesus saved his soul. Just like Elizabeth, just like Chris, why me, Lord? Why would you choose me, Lord? If you ask that question, I don't know the answer to it. But the only thing I can say is thank you, Jesus, for choosing even me. Elizabeth rejoiced and said, Blessed you are among all women. And then she looked up to the Lord, why? Why me, Lord? Who am I that you would choose me to be able to even give advice to the one who is carrying your son? But I want you to know, listen in verse 45 of the faith of Mary that, that Elizabeth noticed. Blessed is she who believed. Listen, blessed is she who believed. For there will be fulfillment of those things which were told from her the Lord. The thing that Elizabeth emphasized about Mary was her faith. That she believed the Lord. Why was this amazing to Zacharias and Elizabeth? Because they had just went through a crisis of belief in their own family. The Lord had spoken to them and they chose not to believe the Lord. And they had a struggle going on at that time. And they had just now got through it all. They just now got through it. 
So when she saw the belief of Mary, she was so amazed of how much Mary trusted God. The very first thing we're going to see is in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, that Zacharias and Elizabeth were a good couple who loved God and was faithful to God. Look what the Bible says in, in Luke chapter 1 in verse 5. There was in those days the day of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. How? Blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. This was a faithful couple. Zacharias was a faithful priest. Let me share something with you at the very beginning. If you want to magnify the Lord, the way that you can magnify the Lord today is your faithfulness. By being faithful, by loving God every single day, by obeying God every single day, by showing up and worshiping God day by day, by being faithful. That's what we see here in Zacharias and Elizabeth. That's how they magnify the Lord. You've, been, you've heard many times, no, God had not spoken for 400 years. Israel is in, was in a backslidden state. They were in a mess. They had not grown spiritually over 400 years. But listen, in the middle of all of that, in the middle of a nasty world, in the middle of a sinful world, in the middle of a place that no one was listening to God, Zacharias and Elizabeth was found blamelessly walking with the Lord. They were faithful even though nobody else was faithful. They were faithful when nobody else wanted to walk with the Lord. They were faithful to walk with the Lord. That's how we magnify the Lord today. They were a regular couple who got scared. The Bible says in, in 2 Timothy, the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Have you ever wondered why the Lord has not given you a spirit of fear? Because you already have one. We are people who are scared to death and filled with fear all the time. We're scared about what's around the next corner. We're scared about what's happening, what's not happening. Man, we have a long list of fears, not to even mention spiders and snakes. Right? We have a long list. They were a regular couple who got scared. And listen to what happened in verse 13 through 18. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Have you noticed there's two angels on the side of me up here all lit up? Are they lit up? I think they are. Um, I, just, I just want you to say, I just want you to know this because when you get to heaven, I don't want you to be able to say, Preacher didn't tell you this, all right? I want to say, the angels that you're going to see in heaven probably are not going to be tall, skinny, blonde women. I just want to be honest with you. Most people who have to tell you not to be afraid when you meet them are not very pretty. Right now, if you scare everybody you come in contact with, you're probably not as good looking as you think you are. If you have to start out with do not be afraid every time you meet somebody, you might not be dark down good looking as you think you are, right? Angels are not going to be long, blonde-haired women. I mean, there's, there's verses in the Bible that will tell you about the wings that are covering the eyeballs everywhere that rotating. I mean, it's, it's scary. That's why every time an angel comes before someone, the first thing they have to see is, say is don't be afraid. Why? Because they just scared that person half to death. I mean, they just really put them in a fear. Ah! 
That, it was scary is what it was. So when, when you get to heaven and you see your first angel and you go, ha! You're going to say, oh, you know what? A preacher said that's going to happen. Um, we, we like to say they're pretty women because we like to see pretty women. You know, that's just what we like. But that's not what it's going to look like. And that's not what happened here. Gabriel is going to come. Zacharias is scared. Um, he says, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your li- wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine having a baby and and them saying of your baby that he will turn many of the children of the Lord, Israel, to their Lord. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and it is disobedient of the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John the Baptist was going to be the forerunner of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But listen, Zechariah the priest, the faithful priest, when he heard this, this is what he said. How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Sarah, when she heard the news, what did she do? She giggled, didn't she? Now they're happening the same thing to Zacharias and Elizabeth, and he's looking at this the archangel and he's saying pretty much this how how can I be sure this is going to happen how, how give me, what am I going to, how am I going to know that this is really going to happen you know what he was being he was being this unbeliever he was being an unbeliever he's like I can't see how this could happen we're too old to have kids we can't have a baby this, this is too late in life there's no way this would be great but, I, but that's not a possibility at this point in our lives thank you for asking but you know what we can't do that at this time you know who Elizabeth and Zacharias were they were sinners just like me and you and they focused on themselves instead of God just like me and you and they said how can I be sure about this But listen, in verse 19 and verse 20, the angel tells him exactly. And the angel answered and said, I am Gabriel, the archangel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. And I love how he calls them glad tidings. That's happiness, joy, unspeakable. But listen in verse 20, what's going to be the the result of him not believing. But behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place because you will you will do you because you do did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time because Zacharias doubted that angel what the Lord would said he's not going to be able to speak for nine months there's a lot of you women who have been pregnant who would have been really happy with that <laughs> your wife your husband being quiet for nine months would have been a pretty good deal um, and there's a few husbands who would never say it but when your wife was pregnant, you might have wished they would have been quiet for nine months, but that's you would be really in bad trouble if you said that, so don't say that. Um, I learned something when, when my wife was pregnant. When she wants a watermelon, you better go get a watermelon. That's just what you do. I mean, that's, that's, that's life in a fast lane. But he didn't speak for nine months to be able to be sure to understand that when God speaks, we need to be listening. 
and believe in it. When God's speaking to me and you, we need to hear it. And how we magnify the Lord is by believing what he has to say. But in all this, they had faith in the Lord. In verse 25, listen to what they said. Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. You know what Elizabeth is saying? How kind the Lord has been to me. How good the Lord has been to me. That her reproach, not being able to have kids, all those people had been making fun of her. Now she's being able to say, I have a son that's going to bring honor and glory to God. And he is the one that's going to be introducing the Messiah to this whole world. And we can see God kept his promise and Elizabeth is now pregnant. And I want you to see the joy of the, of the unborn son, John, in her womb. In verse 41, the Bible says this, And it happened, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb. Let me say that again. It happened. When Elizabeth heard the news, the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. We should not be shocked that John the Baptist leaped in the womb of Elizabeth upon hearing the birth, about the birth of Jesus Christ. Because we saw in Luke chapter 1 in verse 15, we saw what happened, what Jesus said, what the Lord said that was going to be in the life of, of him. It said, or he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Spirit even before his birth. In the womb, John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit. And when he heard the news of the coming of Jesus Christ, he praised the Lord. He magnified the name of the Lord. He praised the Lord even in her womb. Even before his birth, John rejoiced in Jesus Christ, just as he did in his whole entire ministry. John's ministry started when he leaped in his mother's womb, and it was ended when the king cut, had his head cut off for preaching Jesus Christ. His whole entire life, John the Baptist magnified the name of Jesus. If you read with me in John chapter 3, to jump over a few pages, in verses 23 through 30, we see in his earthly ministry that what John did was to exalt Jesus Christ. In verse 23 it says, Now John was baptizing in Anon near Salim, because there was so much water there. And there came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who, has, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, that's Jesus, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. You see what's happening here? These people are trying to get a rile out of John. He's still baptizing people. He's still baptizing people into repentance, pointing them to Jesus Christ. But they come up to John and say, hey, 
That guy that you're telling us about, um, he's across the river. He's baptizing people more than you can even imagine. Jesus is baptizing more people than you're baptizing, John. So what were they trying to get out of John? A fight. They wanted him to say something bad about Jesus. But listen to what he says. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it's been given unto him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because, their bri they, because the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. The joy that he's speaking of is seeing people follow Jesus, the Messiah. John did not want people to follow him, to be his disciples. He did not come to be the one that people would follow. He was the one who came to point people to Jesus Christ. John the Baptist did not want to be magnified. He wanted Jesus to be magnified. And listen to what he says. He must increase, but I, I must decrease. John the Baptist was celebrating that he gets to introduce people to Jesus Christ. That he did not care if someone remembered his name or thought that he was a disciple or he belonged to them. But his heart was this. I must decrease and Jesus must increase. When we proclaim the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must do that very same thing. We do not magnify ourselves, our church, or anything about us. We magnify and lift up the name of Jesus Christ. That's our heart that we have. Zechariah, he magnified the Lord even though he stumbled. I love the story of Zacharias and we jump over it and forget about it real quickly because it really talks about us preachers. Zacharias had a job of bringing people to God. To helping people be spiritually minded. And at that time I guarantee Zacharias was frustrated with what was happening. At that time, people did not come to the temple. At that time, people did not even want to do the sacrifices. The temple was all about money. The temple was all about trade. It was all about doing this and all about doing that. It was so messed up and so far from God. And he was as frustrated as anybody he could be. But his job was to point people to God, to bring people to God. I know exactly how he feels that sometimes as a preacher you get so frustrated living in a time when no one even considers Jesus. No one even considers coming to church. And then people look at you when you invite them to church on Sunday and they say, you know what, that's the only day I got to sleep in. And you want to be able to tell them, hey man, one day you're going to split, split hell wide open and you'll wish you got up out of that bed. And you get frustrated. But a little, Zacharias was frustrated. But listen, listen please. And this is from my heart because it happens to me. He was frustrated because of the people not listening to God. But he found him in a place where he was not listening to God. And God spoke to him and he was not ready. 
And he said, how can this be? And I need some proof. Where he was frustrated because people were not prepared to talk to God, to meet God, he discovered that he himself was not yet prepared to hear from God. And you know what? He struggled. But God loved him. Shut him up for about nine months. But he had nine months to think about God. To get his life right. And I wonder, what do you think he said after nine months of being quiet? I bet it's blessed be the name of the Lord. At that time, he was ready to hear from the Lord. But Elizabeth, in the old age that she was, and she was having a baby, she magnified the Lord. What did she say? How in the world is the Lord so kind to me? Magnified the Lord. John the Baptist and his difficult times, even losing his head, from the womb until that moment, what he did was magnified the Lord. All of our kids know what's important to us. Our grandkids in the future or ones you have now know even what's important to us. Many of us are like Zacharias. And we need to allow our grandkids and our kids to know that we struggle. I allow these things of this world to become important to me instead of God. And I want you to know that that what's important to me right now is that I lift the name of Jesus up in my family. And when you messed up, you've got to let them know. That's not what Dad did. Dad has not done this the whole entire time. But what I want to do is I want to exalt the name of Jesus. I, I want uh, that to be what we're about. Because our kids need to see people like Elizabeth who in the middle of all this said, I can't believe how good God is to me. And they exalt the name of Jesus. They need to see John the Baptist, yet in the, his mother's womb, exalting the name of Jesus. Even to the point where he actually lost his head, exalting, magnifying the name of Jesus. What we have the opportunity to do on this Christmas is to allow people to see truly who Jesus is and why he needs to be magnified. There's a lot of things that me and you make great that are worthless. You could start naming them right now, things that you do and I do that we make a big deal about that shouldn't be made a big deal about. But I want our kids to know the reason why we decorate the reason why we, we, we sing these songs, the reason why we show up on church is because our heart is this, is that we want to magnify Christ and we want to shrink this world. We want this world to be insignificant to us. All that they has to, uh, to have to offer means nothing. But give me Jesus. Jesus Christ. If you've never come to 
the Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> raise your hand. Allow the Lord to work in your heart. Allow him to bring you to himself today. Allow him to save you from your sins. Because you have sins that you don't even know you need forgiven of. And Jesus wants to forgive you of those sins. And believer, you and me and Zacharias have been in the same place. We're frustrated that people are not trusting the Lord, yet we're not trusting the Lord. And may we put our faith in Jesus today. Lord God, we love you.